Hi, this is Laura. And Kathy. This, this is, is the, the Tech, Tech Plus Books Pod. Where we talk tech. And books. Just a friendly reminder, all opinions are our own. Listeners, today you are in for a treat because we are talking to Bemnet Visa, a middle school librarian in Wake County and a recent library information sciences graduate. I met Bemnet on my third day in Wake County when we were seated together at a professional development. And so she has been a fabulous friend and colleague to get to know over the past year through our professional learning team. Today we're going to talk a bit about her experiences throughout her first year in the school library. But first, in Tech Plus Books Pod, one of our early episodes, Kathy and I shared our experiences and our journeys of what led us to the school library. So, Bemnets, what led you to pursue a degree in library science? So, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. And I loved reading. I wanted to be a reading teacher at first. And then I learned that a reading teacher was teaching kids how to read. <laughs> so I was about like, eh, I don't think that's entirely for me. And so I started looking at different options. And I think when I was still in my undergrad, I started thinking about doing library school. I would teach for a few years and then become a school librarian. And so after I taught for about five years, I applied for my library school program. and knew I wanted to make that transition. And what made you choose UNCG for completing that degree? Yeah, so I really wanted to go in person actually. And I wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill because that's where I went for my undergrad and I'm a big Tar Heel fan. And then actually (laughs) I went to go take the GRE and I was late. So I didn't take the GRE, it was a nice $200 down the drain. Um, (laughs) And so I took that as a sign that I should apply to a program that did not require a GRE. (laughs) Looked at UNCG and ECU and Central. And I thought about ECU and UNCG because they did classes online. And I live in Raleigh, so I didn't necessarily think I could drive to Durham multiple nights a week and have that be a realistic part of my schedule. And then I looked into UNCG's program more and they had synchronous classes, which I really liked because I still wanted at least part of that in-class person feel that was really important to me. So I chose UNCG. So does UNCG have an all online program too? Or is their program synchronous and asynchronous? It is, you can do it completely online. There are some classes you can take in person, but I've actually only been to UNCG's campus once in two full years. That is interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Kathy went to ECU for her library school and I went to Central. So I think it's really interesting that you've got another program and another perspective. Yeah, and I've heard good things about all of them. Um, I think I was just drawn to UNCG for some reason, so. I think I did think I was going to go to campus more often. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So since it's been your first year, what would you say surprised you the most about being in the library? So I taught at my school for five years before I became a librarian there. 
And I think what surprised me the most was how everyone assumed once I got in the library, I was a technology guru. <laughs> um, people would come in there and just sort of throw something at me and be like, can you fix this right now? And I was like, no, you know, I taught across the hall from you <laughs> just two months ago. I'm not sure what you thought happened in those two months, but I don't know all the things all of a sudden. And so I think it surprised me how much people assumed that I did know all of a sudden and then how much of a panic people would be in when they want technology help, which makes me want to help them right away because I hate to see other people stressed out, but it is not something I can do all the time. Sometimes I have to put a heat ticket in or, you know, get somebody else to figure it out. So that surprised me. That's a good point. And I think that in our district, especially the media coordinator or school librarian is oftentimes also serves in the role of the tech contact. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something in, in other schools as well is that they do become kind of that frontline for technology help, mm -hmm. which I don't think is necessarily addressed all the time in grad school. Right. It's sort of like you might be asked to do this instead of you will be asked to do this. And and it's hard to say different districts have different policies, but and this might be something we talk about more later, but it would have been nice to have some more practical knowledge, I think, just to like sort of hit the ground running. I think so. I think maybe that's good feedback, too, for mm -hmm. new employees coming in of like, here's who you can kind of talk to to walk you through being a tech contact. Right. And I think they said like a lot of people were just like, just wait and you'll figure it out later. But it's hard to tell other people like, just wait if your dot cam isn't working. Just wait if your projector is not working. It's like, well, no, they need a projector. And I don't know how to clean up or fix a projector, you know? <laughs> so it's like That goes to my question of like things that they don't teach you in grad school. It's like, I was never taught how to change a laminator role, but yeah. you learn it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or you mess it up. One of the two. <laughs> Which is pretty much true of all um, technology. You, mm -hmm. you jump in there, you play around, and then one day suddenly it makes sense. Right. Uh, but it is stressful when suddenly people are constantly showing up and like, ah. Because library, yeah. librarians tend to be helpful people. Yeah. They tend to to want to help things and want to solve problems. So when you can't help right away, that is kind of stressful. So Bemnet, do you have an assistant in your library? No, I do not. So, so when you have to go do those technical help things, your library gets left without adult supervision or are the kids still in there by themselves or what? So there's another teacher who works in the library who used to be a technology person, but she's actually our school intervention person. So there is another adult in the space, but also I usually ask people to come bring their technology to me if they need help so that I can work on it in my workspace rather than interrupting their class. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Since we were talking about librarians wanting to be helpful people, Kathy had a question. What are some groups like ALA or NC SLAMA or ISTE? or even blogs or publications or anything, what's your like go-to resource when you have a question about something or wanna try something new? Well, up until now, my go-to resource has really been the grad school program. I just finished 
about two weeks ago. <laughs> so um, I would usually, yeah, thank you. So I would ask usually my professors. I had two great professors that I could ask those questions to. The other thing I look to for books is I follow quite a few different accounts on Instagram. Pernell Rip, she has really good book recommendations. So yeah, she's always, fabulous. So that's my sort of go-to for book recommendations without like really like searching those out. For tech stuff, I would say there's a Facebook group for the School of Ed at UNCG and people would post stuff in there as well. So I am going to have to try to find some new ones now that I've graduated. <laughs> well, Future Ready Librarians on Facebook is a good one. And I think they're on Twitter too. Oh, yes. So you can do ISTE Lib. I do that one on Twitter. And they have a Facebook group, group as well, but it's not as active, I don't think. How much time do y'all spend on Twitter looking at that stuff? Bimnet does not have Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Mm. It varies. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's one of those things that I just kind of browse through throughout the day here and there. Okay. I would say for me, it started out as a morning kind of routine, like right before I brushed my teeth, I would just spend like five minutes on Twitter and mm -hmm. it's kind of grown since then, but I kind of go through spurts, but it did start off. I, I did start off small, like I'm not going to get sucked down this rabbit hole of stuff and it's hard to know at first when you don't when you're not following anybody on twitter mm -hmm. like what am i looking for what hashtags am i following and things like right. that but i just decided that it would only be like a kind of a quick morning routine or while i was brushing my teeth or something like that okay all right i but if you decide to i like to use TweetDeck on my computer because it divides it into columns so I can see my home column, but then I can um, see one person's tweet and have a column for them if I want, or I can have a hashtag that I've looked up and see that column, you know, anything that comes up on future ready lives and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I like that. And then, you know, if you're on Facebook or the book of face, as some yeah. people say, <laughs> <laughs> then you can go in the group. So you're just seeing the group stuff. So yeah, that's handy. Mm -hmm. um, Lagarde so, is on Instagram. You were saying Jennifer Lagarde was on Instagram, right? Yeah, she's on Instagram and Twitter now, and she has a lot of good posts and good resources, especially for um, information literacy and fake news kind of things. Yes, excellent, I, excellent resource. Yeah, I follow her blog, but good to know she's on Instagram because I definitely do Instagram more than <laughs> blogs. <laughs> yeah. So kind of along the lines of resources and your go-to places, have you had any advice given to you that you, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? For the library or just being mm -hmm. a librarian in general? Yeah, for being um, a librarian. So I think the best piece of advice that I've been given is something I would tweak. It was to say yes to everything. And so not that I would say yes to absolutely everything, but to be willing to try to help everyone. So for example, with remote learning, I've been getting these questions about, you know, like how do I turn this Google doc into a presentation? That's not something I know off the top of my hand, but I'm gonna try to figure it out for somebody. Or how do I translate this document into Spanish? And so even though I wanna make sure that I'm as available as I can be, because a lot of the teachers at my school 
don't see me as an instructional partner now that I'm in the library. And so I wanna make sure that that sort of changes that mindset. And mm-hmm. so I wanna say yes to every educational request that's given to me. That's good advice. Agree. Probably good. gonna be the one we tweet out. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done it shorter then. Jennifer Lagarde says a lot, under promise and over deliver, which is good advice. Yeah. Kind of along those same lines. I think that that's true, though. What you're getting at is changing people's perception about being a partner for them and to be a co-teacher, co-instructor. So it's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone. And you are probably challenging others to get out of their comfort zone, too. Yeah, it's there the staff at my school stays at my school for a long time, which is obviously great and a good sign. But that means some of the assignments have been done for 10 years. And so when I say, oh, there's a different way to do this, or we could do this differently, it is a challenge for them, you know, to figure out, is it worth working with me if they have to change their assignment or not? But you have such a great attitude. Who wouldn't want to work with you, Ben, Uh, Thank you. We'll see. (laughs) Well, you're rolling really well into our questions because another question we had was, were there any projects or a lesson or something about your program that you were particularly proud of? Yeah. So this is not with another teacher, but I had a friend who works for the Wake County Public Library System come in and help me. We sort of re-shelved almost all the books in our library. We had a paperback spinner. So all the paperbacks were in one area. And then letters like A through I were on the left-hand side. And then letters, like four letters were on the right-hand side. And then you went back over to the left-hand side again. And it was really confusing. (laughs) So we interfiled all the paperback books and we shifted everything around. We had to shift the nonfiction around as well, move the shelves. And it took a long time, but it has become a lot easier for kids to figure out where the letter L is when they're looking for fiction books. Instead of being like, it doesn't, there's no L. (laughs) So so that was something I was really happy with. And then we got to also reorganize the graphic novels. And so the kids can access those more easily, which are huge at my school. And I'm sure every school, honestly. Excellent. I love that both of that your favorite things that you've done are, are both about making your books more accessible to kids, making it easier for kids to find what they want. Yeah, if I was struggling, I mean, I can't imagine an 11 year old, you know, like, yeah, I have a grasp on the alphabet. So it's, <laughs> it's not the same for everyone. So what are you looking forward to next year? Obviously, coronavirus and school closures has interrupted our, our final quarter of school. Assuming that we are back in our buildings for next year and in a typical school schedule, what are some things that you hope to work on? So the first thing I'm looking forward to is seeing the kids again. I just really miss uh, being in the building and seeing the kids. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then I have a a very dorky list of my midterm and long-term goals, but (laughs) we're going to One thing I'm working on, I took storytelling this past semester, and I was thinking for our separate setting 
class for special education. I really want to work on storytelling because those students don't get to really come into the library that often, and we don't have that many current picture books. But if I go to the public library and get picture books, I think it'd be really fun to do storytelling with those students in that classroom. And then sort of with that, we had talked about bringing in some like therapy pets and having like a dog come in and and I don't even like pets. So <laughs> but I'm excited about that. <laughs> that sounds talking. amazing. <laughs> All three of us have dogs, so. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> That's why I keep turning around. Mine is right next to me. If it makes you feel any better, I don't like other people's dogs as much as I like my own. Okay. <laughs> I like all dogs, but of course, mine is special. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's funny. I love the idea, though. Well, we'll see with COVID if what will be allowed and whatnot, but that is, it is a goal of mine. So, Jennifer Lagarde, we were talking about her. She does a lot with end of the year reports. Mm -hmm. Obviously, anybody who does end of the year report this year is going, it's going to be quite different. So it's kind of like what we were just talking about, but have you reflected on what you've done so far and has it changed what your goals are going to be for next year? You said you already had mid and long-term goals, but has the closure, I guess, changed mm. your goals for going, starting off next year? Yeah. So I am in a PLT with uh, Laura, one of the people in our group, and Everybody in our PLT has, well, I don't know if everybody does, but quite a few people have classes or book clubs or battle of the books teams. And so one thing I definitely want to do is a book club for sure. And then I'm not sure what else I want to do with that. But to have something where I can make sure that the kids who love reading and love coming in the library, our library is open to kids for the first 15 minutes. And there's probably like a good 50 kids that come in every morning. Wow, and so, great. Yeah, it is great, but I haven't been able to really engage with them as easily because, I mean, part of that is the school closed <laughs> on a Friday. We just didn't come back. But I think it would have been nice if we had already had something set up virtually, like if I had had an Instagram presence or if I'd had my Google Classroom beforehand so that we could connect in that way. So I want to make sure that that's established at the beginning of the year next year. Are you thinking possibly Project Lit? Seems really cool. So okay. maybe. I'm, I'm excited about some of the titles. So I was hoping that maybe like next year we could continue to kind of do a virtual book club across our schools the way that yeah. we are doing one right now with a lot of the middle schools in our area. And some of the students who have started showing up, they're reading Harry Potter right now. Mm -hmm. They are some of Lori's former students. So they're in high school right now. And mm -hmm. what's been kind of nice is that one of my eighth graders is going to an early college. And one of Lori's former students is at the early college. And so he was awesome. able to meet somebody who's going to be a classmate next year. So, Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So did you say you have a book club in Wake County, like across multiple schools are involved? Yeah, it's something that our PLT, Demnet's mentor, kind of set it up. <laughs> and it's just a weekly book club that we've shared with students. That's just such a neat idea because sometimes if you're at a school where you only have a few kids that are interested in something like this, 
or you're just at a small school in general, mm-hmm. being able to hook those kids up with more like-minded students who want to do something like that, that's really a neat idea. And well, the way our district works is three of our schools are year-round and some of us are traditional. So some of these kids might live next to each other anyway. Like it's not like it's mm-hmm. an unreasonable thing that they could actually be friends outside of this virtual experience. I thought it was nice because coming from a very small district where like our Battle of the Books kids all, we would all go eat lunch together afterwards and they kind of formed their own friendships across the county from that shared interest of Battle of the Books. This is kind of that same extension of friendship of like, oh, I remember them when they competed. They had that really hard question or something like that. Or, oh, that's the guy with the the funny hat. (laughs) And if your schools, like I'm thinking in our district, that it is really small, those kids all end up in high school together. How great Mm -hmm. great is it when you suddenly end up at high school with four middle schools that go in there and you already know from other schools? That's, I think, huge because, I mean, kids are so scared when they transition from any school to the next school, but to know at least we can bond over books. Very cool. So Gumnet, we are Tech Plus Books Pod, so I think you know what's coming. Do you have a book recommendation for us? I do. It is called The Boy at the Back of the Class. Have you guys heard of this one? Somebody just the other day had tweeted that out, but I I didn't look into it. So what's it about? So it's The Boy at the Back of the Class, and I'm not going to pronounce her name right, and I feel bad about that. It's Anjali Q. Roth. And it's about this little boy who comes from Syria to this girl's class in England. And uh-huh. he's very quiet and he doesn't share anything. He doesn't speak English. And it's about her and her friends that sort of try to get to know him and become his friend. But obviously he's been through a traumatic situation. And so it kind of goes into a little bit about what a Syrian refugee's life might be. But it's not from that perspective. It's from how the community can support and be a friend. And the teachers, how they help and how the counselor helps. And it's just very, very sweet. And I loved it. <laughs> so. All right, I'm putting it on my list now. I just sent an email out to my ESL teacher about other words for home and home of the brave oh. and about being refugee books. And I was like, maybe we can do a community read. So this sounds like it'll fit right in. Yes, definitely. And it's not, um, I feel like it could be upper elementary too. So Kathy, you could definitely have it in your class for your fourth and fifth graders. I don't know about you, Charity, sorry, but it could be good for any kids that are interested in that story or for an ESL class, because it's sort of that middle level. And we do have ESL kids there. Mm-hmm. And we were speaking earlier about graphic no- novels. They are huge consumers of my graphic novels. Yes, and those are so good. Good, I'm grateful we have those for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I'm going to give you a chance to brag a little bit. What was your favorite part of ALA? Because you went this past summer. Yes. <laughs> and since it's canceled for this year, make us all jealous about something fun that you did last summer. 
I came home with like 67 free books, y'all. <laughs> I had a scholarship, which is why I got to go. And so when I got there, I did not know about all the free stuff that was out in the exhibition hall. Like I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> and they were like, one of the girls that I met was like, yeah, I brought an extra suitcase. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and then I got there and I realized that was a smart idea. And I wish somebody else had told me that. And so there's a post office in the ALA exhibition hall. So I would stand in line and mail myself books back. And <laughs> I, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Looks like I've got six arcs left to read still from my That's stash cool. this summer. So, yeah. You know, like I'd been mostly doing middle school books and they're all paperback. Mm -hmm. So I gave them to a first year teacher when I finished reading them. I so for her classroom library. That was and, nice. um, but I also got some like comics for myself. <laughs> I was happy about that. So... ALA annual conference comes back to Washington, D.C. in 2022. And mm -hmm. I think we all need to take the train up there and yes. get a behind the scenes tour of the Library of Congress from Kathy's cousin who <laughs> works there. Ooh. And we can all pack a suitcase within our suitcase so <laughs> that we've got an empty one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so much, Bemnet, for joining us because you have been a fabulous person to talk to this year in PLT, and you have been a loyal listener to Tech Plus Books Pod as well. So I yeah. have certainly enjoyed having you with us and, and meeting the crew. Yeah, it was great to meet all of you guys, too. Like, this is fun to put a face to the voice. <laughs> And Laura, for sure, thank you for being part of my PLT for this year. It's been very helpful. Yes. Thank you so much, Bemnet. Yeah, yes, have a good Thank you. This was awesome. Nice thank to meet you. We want to once again thank Bimnet Baisa for her time today in sharing her first year experiences as a librarian. Also this fall, you have the opportunity to put a face to the voice for Tech Plus Books Pod. We have been accepted to present at the NCSLMA annual conference. Our session title is Podcasts on My Mind, Using Voices to Connect. We'd love to see you there. conversation going. You can follow Tech Plus Books on Twitter at Tech Plus Books NC. You can email us at techplusbookspod at gmail.com and you can also leave us a message via Anchor at anchor.fm slash techplusbooks. The music for Tech Plus Books Pod is Lord Weasel by Blue Dot Sessions, available at Free Music Archive under Creative Commons License.